What's up, guys? Welcome to Raw and Honest, the podcast for men that cuts the bullshit and helps you do the necessary work to fundamentally change your life. We'll dive deep into topics like masculinity, life setup, inner work, relationships, spirituality, and everything else that goes deep. I'm Moreno, and I'll give you raw and honest words straight from the heart. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Raw and Honest. Long time no here. It's been a while since I last recorded an episode. And the reason is that I've been really busy with a lot of the business stuff, uh, a lot of working on myself. And also I've taken some time off from everything. Some much needed and well-deserved time off. Went on a vacation to North Macedonia. Uh, which was amazing, super underrated country, uh, really nice nature there, super, super nice people, very chill vibe. And I also spent eight days alone in total darkness, which is going to be the topic of today's episode. I went to a darkness retreat and without spoiling too much, the experience was, was incredible. Unlike anything else I ever had. It was probably the mentally hardest eight days of my life ever, but it was so worth it. Uh, Such a healing experience, such an amazing thing to do. I've since recommended the retreat to uh, countless people like uh, in in my circle of friends and also my family. Um, Was really, it was amazing. So without further ado, let's get into that. Most of you probably have never heard about a darkness retreat. Um, at least when I've told people about it, everybody was like, okay, well, what the fuck is a darkness retreat? <laughs> I never had heard about it before as well. Uh, that was until a friend of mine went to one last year and he recommended it to me. What it is about is taking all external stimulation away from you. Because think about it, in your daily life, you always have something that um, either stimulates or distracts you. Like you wake up in the morning and you see your room, you go outside, you see a cloud, Um, your phone buzzes, uh, someone's calling you, someone wants something at work and so on and so forth. And the cool thing about a darkness retreat is that it removes all of that. So you have no choice but to face what is inside of you. And that is exactly the reason why I wanted to go into that. I had heard about um, Vipassana, meditation, silence retreats, everything. But to be honest, I can't be fucked to sit somewhere for 10 hours a day and have back pain. Although it's all part of the experience and I get that. But um, the darkness always had this this appeal to me. I just like when, when I heard about the possibility to sit somewhere in a dark room for eight days without light just yourself I was like fuck yeah that's me that's what I'm gonna do so the place where this all happened was someone's attic (laughs) Um, the guy has been doing darkness retreats for over a decade by now he's in his mid 60s and he's this like very very impressive guy because he has been a uh, professional athlete doing triathlons and like triple Ironmans and everything but he's also built Um, His business has been very successful with that. And then at one point kind of um, ventured very deep into um, Zen Buddhism and spirituality and everything. And um, he has actually set 
and be, before he started offering darkness retreats, he has set this record for himself where he spent 49 days in complete darkness, which is insane. But before we get into that, I'll, I'll tell you how the whole thing unfolded and, and how it actually looked like. So he picked me up from the airport because I went there directly after my vacation. Um, we went to his place and he showed me around in the attic. It's basically two big rooms, one uh, with a bed and a desk and chair and a recliner chair and a yoga mat. So you have plenty of places to like sit and lay down and yeah, move your body in, in case you know you, you get uh, tired of, of sitting and laying down. And then there's another room with a table where, where you eat and um, a bathroom with a shower and a toilet. It, everything you do in during these eight days, so whether it be like eating or brushing your teeth or taking a poop or going into the shower or whatever it is, um, writing down insights in your journal, you do all of it in complete darkness. Um, so there's no light. There's not even any, any little LED lamps whatsoever. It's very quiet and th there's literally, there's no external stimulation. Um, so he got me into the attic and explained everything and then we had a little starting ritual and he gave me a candle and said, okay, whenever you're ready, you're going to blow out this candle and then it's going to be dark for the next eight days. So I took the candle and I took a deep breath like in and with the exhale, I blew it out. And it got very dark, <laughs> and it's it's so dark, like you can't, literally you can't see anything. He has glued black foil to all the windows, all the the door slits, the everything. It's just it's completely dark. You do have a torch and a sort of panic button, both which are to be used in case of emergency only. And I didn't use them, but it's good to know that they're there, you know, just in case you. You're in there and you notice, okay, I'm, I'm going fucking bananas and I need to get out of here. You can. I got there in the evening, so I went to bed. Um, it was pretty late. I was pretty tired from traveling and everything. And I woke up the next morning and that was really, really crazy because usually you wake up and there's at least some sort of light or you can turn on a light in your bedroom, but there's nothing. So you have to walk around with your eyes closed and like holding out your arm and swinging it around in front of you so you don't walk into a wall or a door or whatever. Going to the toilet, like um, brushing your teeth, taking a shower, it's all, it's a different kind of challenge because you need to use your hands to, to figure out where stuff is and then when you touch the stuff, like it falls down and then <laughs> you need to crouch, crouch down on on uh, all fours and like looking for your toothpaste or whatever it is. It's uh, it's a different kind of challenge for sure. So in the first morning he, he came in, you have two talks with him, one in the morning at like 10 o'clock where he brings you breakfast and lunch and another one in, in the afternoon where he brings you dinner and that's the, the longer one where you have like an hour long talk. The one in the morning is a little bit shorter. So he, he came in and he explained some of the, I don't want to say ground rules but like basic principles of how a darkness retreat works and um, how to get the most out of the experience and what he said is very is, is very profound he said that we all have two parts within ourselves so there's the masculine part and the feminine part if you look at how we live in society we can clearly see that the masculine part because we live in a patriarchy and i don't say this coming from a place of radical feminism or anything but it's just it's facts the, the thing is, 
the masculine part often overpowers the feminine part. And he says the, the masculine part, it's, it's the mind, it's the rational thinking, it's the ego, it's um, making decision, the execution of things, everything. Whereas the feminine part is more what you would call um, inspiration and creativity and soul and creation and all these kind of things, feelings, emotions involved in that feminine part as well. Like if you look at, at how we live in society, how many people do you, you say, man, I'm, I, I'd be so passionate about this or, or I really want to do this with my life. I want to go traveling. Like I feel the calling, whatever. But, oh, no, I have to go to this like boring ass job to make money or I have to do this and that first. Or, oh, I can't wear these clothes because what are people going to think? And that is what happens in society and what happens within ourselves as well. So often we have these callings, these feelings, these emotions, and we have the rational mind, the, uh, the inner destructive masculinity stepping in and completely silencing that feeling, pushing it down and not giving it the space it needs. What happens when you push down feelings or desires or needs or wants or whatever it is, when you push down these things, they don't vanish. I always use the example of a freezer. You put them in the freezer and they stay in there. <laughs> and at one point you can take them, take them out, thaw them out, but they're still in there. And you put stuff in the freezer, put stuff in the freezer until it's eventually full. It overflows. And in the case of like suppressed feelings and desires and needs, they create patterns because they want to come out. They want to be felt. They want to be seen. The inner femininity it wants to be seen. It's like it's knocking on the door all the time. Be like, hey, see me. And there's all these feelings and all this stuff that I want you to acknowledge. But we keep stuffing it down again. These patterns, they're, they're so interesting. Um, I'll get into that in, in a minute what my personal ones are. But he told this really interesting story of this woman that came to him she was in her mid-70s or something and she said she sometimes when she takes a walk she has this crazy desire to take out her key and key cars like destroy the cars rub the, the key along them uh, scratch them everything and she does that there's like so much tension in her and she just needs to do that this is a prime example of suppressed emotions that uh, are within someone and they're trying to find a way to come out. So what the darkness allows you to do is to not distract yourself from the emotions, to not rationalize your desires and everything, but to actually give it space and just sit there in darkness and observe it. And that is the funny thing. When you give it the space it needs, when you just observe it, it dissolves at one point. I have been at one point in a darkness retreat there, like a lot of stuff from childhood comes up and I was so angry with my grandma for like reasons that are too long for this podcast episode, but I was so angry with her and it's all been still there from childhood. Like for 20, 25 years, I've been carrying that around with me. And can you imagine how much anger that caused in my relationships? Can you imagine how much, how much anger that caused with myself? You know, a lot of self-loathing, a lot of being angry with myself, with my girlfriends, with the people I meet. I used to have, like, big anger issues even as a teenager. can remember one instance where literally I ripped my desk apart because I got so fucking angry and it just came over me. And it's all that suppressed stuff from childhood. So when I actually sat down to observe it in the darkness, 
I've never felt so angry so long, but I l allowed myself to sit with the feeling and at one point it eventually just, it just vanished into thin air. And I can really feel that there's a lot of stuff that I've let go of. But this just about how it actually works and what happens in there within you. So now I'm gonna tell you a little more about my specific experience, which was very interesting because in the first, say, three or four days, the stuff that was right at the surface came up. There was so much pain and there was so much sadness and, and disappointment and it all related to a prior relationship that I had that ended on really shitty terms and there was just so much pain still down there even though for the last years I have really been digging into it. It's, it's crazy how much there was and for like the first three or four days I was just sitting there in pain and crying on and off and being like fucking hell I, I want this to stop and then you have to manage to just observe it and accept the pain because it's the only thing that's going to dissolve it like you can sit there in resistance and say nah I don't want this I want it to be different or you can rationalize it and say ah she was a bitch anyway and I'm better off without her or whatever all that shit doesn't work the only thing that works is making space for these emotions so the first few days they were they were absolutely painful they were really fucking painful but so healing at the same time because by letting go of that pain um, you finally free yourself it's like taking heavy stones out of out of a backpack that you've been carrying around with you for years without even noticing and it feels just so so wholesome and good um, another thing that's really interesting is because of the um, prolonged darkness, your body produces a lot of melatonin, um, which is one of the hormones that govern your sleep-wake cycle. But it also influences your uh, REM sleep and how much you dream and how vividly your dreams are. So I usually don't remember many of my dreams. I remember one dream maybe once a month or something. But in there, I had like two to three very very vivid dreams per night at least and it's crazy like they're so colorful they're so emotional they're so uh, intense and immersive and the guy does a really good job at working with these dreams because every every time he rocks up in the morning he'll ask you hey what what have you been dreaming of like what came up tonight and it's not so much about saying like oh you dreamt of a red car so you know this means such and such no it's much more about the emotion that the subconscious wants to bring out. For example, I had one one dream where I was in Peaky Blinders. If you know the series, it's like an, an amazing gangster series. Plays in the in the UK in I think the early 1900s, and I was in there in that setting and everything. And he said, "Okay, man, look, there's there's apparently there's a lot of anger in there. Might that be because?" Like there's a lot of violence in that series. There's a lot of suppression. Um, there's a lot of like force and everything. So there might be an indication that a lot of these things are bottled up with him inside you. And he was spot on. That was the thing that triggered the release of the anger towards my grandma, which I mentioned earlier. So stuff like that is is super super interesting once you get into it. So what also happens if you're there for a couple of days is that your senses adjust in the beginning it's it's very hard to like make sense of where you are and how to move and everything and then over time 
everything it's it's almost like your senses become heightened to make up for the lack of visual information your brain receives um, so you start to hear a lot better um, smell increases tremendously things um, like your sense of touch gets so much better and orientation as well although what's really funny is that if you <laughs> if you walk around there your brain will make up for the lack of visual information by still showing you the room visually for example i would be walking towards the bathroom and i'd see the door in front of me and i'd reach out for the door to open it but it wasn't there it was like half a meter to the right side of it and then once you realize your brain adjusts and it shows you a new door there which is absolutely crazy <laughs> because it like it it makes up this for this for the lack of information but it's not the accurate information it just puts stuff in there you also have really vivid visuals so in front of your eyes you might have bright lights going off or almost like a kaleidoscope or for any of you guys who have been on on psychedelics when you close your eyes and you have these visuals um, or even when you're sober you close your eyes you look towards the sun you see like little lights flaring off that's kind of the experience you can imagine and it comes and goes in waves sometimes it's really annoying if you're dead at night and you want to sleep you know and <laughs> then it's all of a sudden it's just fucking very very bright and there's a firework going off in front of your eyes and you're like man i just just want to sleep <laughs> um, another thing because i just mentioned nighttime is perception of time is really interesting although with like the guy's regular visits in the morning and the evening i always had a rough idea of what time it was but still sometimes it's very it's very hard to tell like sometimes you're just off by an hour or two sometimes time feels like it's it's stretching like chewing gum it takes ages and you're there and you're like oh my god when will this end and other days you're just like man this this was over quickly like wow it's it's already evening it's very interesting it's very different from day to day another question people have asked me is if i ever sort of panicked or thought i needed to get out ever thought okay this is getting too much and i think i had like two or three moments where i noticed that everything within me my body my mind my everything was screaming get out get out get the fuck out now you need to get out it's super interesting because um, the guy and i we had talked about this before and he said look whatever comes up in here all you have to do is observe all you have to do so I sat down with like my mind raging and, and going off and my body panicking and my heart racing and beating. And I said, okay, I'm just going to observe that. And I sat down and I observed it. And two minutes later, probably not even two minutes later, it was all gone. It's crazy. Like you sit there and you're, you're in a full-on panic mode. And then two minutes later, it's all gone. And it's like, yeah, it's cool. I'll stay, I'll stay here for another three days. No worries. So apart from the personal insights that I had, which are very much related to like my own story and my own experiences and my own life and, and being and everything, and there are a few general insights I had that I learned that I really want to share with you because they are the ones that I've taken into my day-to-day -day life after the retreat and that have since then really improved my experience of life and the way I go about it. So the first one is, and this is not entirely new, but uh, I don't ever get tired of repeating it, is feeling is healing. What I've learned is that all the patterns we have 
within ourselves, all the compulsive behaviors, all the things that feed the ego, all the things that make us prisoners of our own mind, they're all based in unfelt emotions. So whether as a child, you know, these emotions were simply too much and you cut yourself off from them, um, like I have done with, with many of the things that happened to me, or whether you didn't allow yourself to feel these emotions because you thought, oh, okay, I'm, I'm a big strong man, like I'm not allowed to feel sad or cry or whatever it is. These things, they create patterns in you and they will force you into the same patterns until you felt them because they want to be seen. That part in you wants to be seen. So it always subconsciously creates the behaviors that create situations that are similar to the situations you were in in the first place. To give you a practical example, I think we all know someone and maybe you've been at someone yourself. I know I, I have been at someone who ends up in the same relationship patterns again and again. Same type of partner, same thing, same shit happens. That is because that unfelt emotion in you creates that pattern again and again and again until you've felt it. So until you've sat down and said, okay, I'm going to give it the space it needs. One thing is, of course, that you feel these emotions that have been created and bottled up in the past. But also what you can do and what I'm doing right now in my life is I pay a lot of attention to not bottling up things again. So what happens to me a couple of days a week is something comes up where I get into a situation that triggers me. And instead of rationalizing it or moving on to the next thing, I just stand there and I give myself a minute or two or three to just experience that emotion and observe it. So I'll be in my kitchen and I stand there and something comes over me because I've been thinking of something. I'm like, damn, I'm, I'm so disappointed or I'm feeling so weak or alone or whatever it is. And I just stand there and I observe it until that feeling has dissolved. And that is how you can avoid piling up more emotions, putting more stuff into your freezer until it overflows. Another insight I've had is that there is really only one authority in life. This comes back to what said in the what I said in the beginning about the, the inner masculinity, the rational mind and everything, ego trying to take control of your experience, of your of your life, of your situation. So we try to plan things, right? We we do a career plan. Um, we say, okay, in, in two years I've made enough money for this and then I'm going to buy a house there and then I'm going to do this and so on and so forth. And if this person says this, then I'm going to do that. All of this is just the ego trying to take and establish control. But all it creates is an illusion of control. Because with the rational mind, you can never predict what it's going to be like in 10 years. You don't know what you want in 10 years. You don't know what the world is going to look like in 10 years. And of course, you know, you can, you can always override your soul's desires, so to speak, with these rational thoughts and say, oh, no, it makes sense. And, oh, I have to make this money. And, oh, I have to do this and have to do that and so on and so forth. But you are only suppressing yourself there is only one authority that really dictates what you what you should do or what you um, 
uh, destined to do, and that is that inner femininity, that inner voice in yourself. And you, <coughs> I don't want to get hung up on the words. You can call it uh, soul, you can call it inspiration, you can call it universe, divine, whatever. I don't care, you know, whatever works for you. But what you have to understand is that you have intrinsic wishes. Your soul has intrinsic needs and desires, a way how it wants to manifest itself in the world. And as long as you fight that with rational arguments and saying, yeah, but this is better or this is better or this is whatever, you are always going to be in a fight within yourself. And there's no point fighting yourself. So, for example, right now I have realized that my my soul, my inner being wants to reach out to some people from my past and make peace with them because we didn't part in particularly a good way. And the rational mind tells me, no, fuck it. Like, they have done you wrong. Why would you reach out to them? And of course, I can listen to that, but it's not going to make me happy. I have to let go of that ego and say, okay, I have to let go of that ego and acknowledge that there is only that authority within myself that tells me, okay, look, if this is really what I want, if this is my soul's wish, so to speak, if this is really my inner desire, then fuck what the rational mind says. Because it's always going to come back. I can argue with myself for the next 10 years and tell myself that these people don't deserve me reaching out. But it's not going to change anything. It's just going to make me unhappy, isn't it? Another really amazing insight that I had and I've kind of known this rationally before but I've experienced it once more is that there are really two kinds of happiness and the first one is what I would say kind of an active happiness stuff you do um, like you're meeting with your friends or you're listening to music that feels great or you're partying or you're doing work you enjoy um, you're spending time with your kids all that stuff, that, that is kind of active happiness which you create on a day-to-day -day basis. But actual true happiness is more a kind of peace with yourself and the present moment. The cool thing is that happiness can exist in any state, in any situation, in any emotion you feel. One, one of the things that came to mind during the first couple of days that were really tough where I was just in the in a fetal position crying on the ground was that I said once you realize that life is beautiful even when you cry then you've truly understood happiness that happiness comes from a simple thing and that is accepting the present moment as it is you're sad okay accept that you're happy okay accept that you're angry you're disappointed you're hungry you don't make as much money as you want um, you're not as good looking as you want your partner annoys you, whatever it is, accept that. Because if you don't accept it, you're always going to be in resistance and that causes suffering. And by acceptance, I don't mean accepting it and not doing shit about it. That is giving up. No, I mean accept whatever your situation is right now. And that, paradoxically, will give you the power to change it. Last big insight I want to touch on, and this is really... It's, it's really simple, it's really short, but it's so fucking important, is that everything you truly want or need to do, it starts now. It starts now. There's no tomorrow. 
there's no oh uh, yeah you know w- once I've accomplished this like oh yeah I need to talk to my boss before oh I need to do this before oh I need to do that before no it starts now if you realize that you're caught in a pattern the change starts now if you realize you want to spend more time with your parents your partner your kids your your passion project whatever it is it starts now the ego is so good at giving you excuses why something can't be done today why it needs to wait until tomorrow or maybe next week or maybe even the week after or the month after and then it hopes that you kind of just forget and you get distracted by other things so no whatever you feel that you have to do or you need to do or you truly want to do it starts now and everything else is an excuse it starts now so Take that into your day-to-day life and ask yourself, okay, well, what, what do I know that has to change? What do I feel that has to change? And then make it happen right now because this moment is as good as any other. So why wait? All right, guys, to wrap this up, I quickly want to tell you about my um, last evening in the retreat. So on the last day, at like six o'clock or something, uh, the guy came in and we had a we had a last talk. Uh, it was a really nice one, wrapping things up, and then it was finally time to see the light again. And I was like, "Oh my god, I'm I'm really excited for this." You know, after you've been in darkness for like seven, eight days, it's it's crazy. I was so excited to just see light again, to hear birds again, to wind, the breeze on my skin, to step outside and, and see the nature, see trees, everything. First things first, we had that talk and then he opened the bathroom door just a tiny little bit and turned on the light inside the bathroom. So there's only like this little shimmer of light shining through. It's literally, the, 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 it's, it's nothing. It's so, so little but it seemed like he opened the gates to the sun itself. After this time in darkness, your eyes have adjusted so much that the light is really, it goes into your head. You feel it going inside your head. You also get really dizzy for like an hour or so because your brain got used to calculating the the position of your body and in the position of your head in relation to your feet and everything without light. So it does this with, with an organ in your ear. And usually it takes the visual information into that calculation as well, but that has been missing for a week. So when you get it back, it makes you really, really dizzy and makes it really hard to walk <laughs> for an hour or so, but it goes away uh, goes away after an hour. So all good, but very interesting experience. And then I sat down and journaled for a bit and wrote like a little wrap up of everything I learned and everything I experienced. I had also been journaling during that time which uh, was interesting because I was I was surprised that I could actually read my writing, even though I had done it all in complete darkness, but it worked like a charm. I did that um, last journaling and, and had like a, a nice last meal there and then um, actually went to bed again at the retreat because it's, it's so overwhelming after you've been in such an introspective state for that time um, to get out into public again um, that a guy recommended me to stay another night and he was spot on with his recommendation next morning he brought me to the train station and i went home went on my way and man i've i've rarely felt so much appreciation for the sun the clouds the outside world the trees everything 
it, it was a very very mighty experience very healing experience and i can definitely recommend that to anyone who wants to do hardcore introspection <laughs> and really accelerate their personal growth and especially solve blocks and patterns that they have had within themselves for years maybe even without noticing it it's been an amazing experience and i'm so grateful that i have done that i can see myself going back to it in the future at one point um, i have recommended it to a lot of people by now it's just been sh such a great experience and i'm very happy that i got to experience that and can now share that with you so thank you guys for listening uh, it was great recording that episode had a lot of fun talking about these things if you guys have any questions about a retreat or you just want to get in touch with me, feel free to shoot me an email. I'll put my email address in the show notes. You can also follow me on Twitter where I'll be dropping daily value gems um, about working with your psychological conditioning, about improving your relationships, your business, breaking your patterns, all these kind of things. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you. Really enjoyed recording this and thank you so much. See you next time. Bye-bye.